Channel of distribution. Do you have a competitive advantage to a channel of distribution for a product company or a software or a service? Mm. Right? Um, what people don't, I think, what people don't realize is like you could create an amazing product, an amazing software, mm. but if you can't get it out to the masses and sell it, then you kind of like that product could just fizzle out and never, people may never know about it. So, so if you're going to go into business, try to find a competitive advantage to a channel of distribution. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of the Inventive Journey. Um, I'm your host, Devin Miller, the uh, serial entrepreneur that's also the uh, founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. Um, Miller, the Inventive Journey, we uh, go through and uh, hear the journeys of uh, different startups and small businesses, owners and founders, and how they got to where they're at and how things are going. And we have a great guest on today. Um, his name is Morgan, and I'll do a, a quick introduction, but let him uh, won't steal too much of his thunder. Uh, Morgan, uh, he uh, has a common connection, I believe, if I remember right. He played BYU, or played soccer at BYU, and uh, I at least went to BYU. So well, there you go. Have BYU <laughs> connections, and then he went on to Georgetown, whereas I went on to uh, to uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and I think you probably got the better end of that location. <laughs> and now he yeah. uh, works with the. Uh, works with software and doing some uh, uh, op software. So I'll let him uh, go through that and uh, talk a little bit more and do a much better introduction than I could ever do. <laughs> so welcome on to the podcast, Morgan. All right. Thanks, Devin. Um, yeah. So like you said, I'm Morgan. I'm with Fiddle um, Inc. We're a physical product op software. Uh, we focus on helping people manage their physical products, all their inventory, their orders, their purchasing, and some production. Um, so we're kind of that modern approach, month to month, no contracts, uh, cloud-based to kind of give uh, brands and manufacturers a solution to move away from spreadsheets. All right. Well, that's a good, a great summary. So now, <laughs> now if I were to take, because all our, the podcast, podcast is about the journey, right? So how you got right. up to where you're at today. So maybe if we back up a few years or back up a little bit into the story, and what led you up to this? And what was the journey that led you up to where you guys are at today? Yeah, okay. So, I mean, I don't know how far back I need to go, but my journey probably started... Far, far away. No, <laughs> not quite that so my, far. But, uh, yeah, my journey probably sense. started at BYU in 2006. Um, you know, I'm, I'm dating myself a bit here. Um, but we were, we were playing soccer there, and we entered the BYU business plan competition. Mm. A couple of guys and I on the team, and we had a street soccer ball and some apparel that uh, we had manufactured overseas um, and had a brand called Kaye. Um, and Kaye means street and soccer. And so the whole idea was to get kids out playing street soccer. Um, and the ball was really cool, lasted a long time. And we actually went on to win the BYU business comp competition and had some really cool designs. And the, I, the focus was that for soccer players that weren't on the pitch, that went to school, that were playing in the streets, our apparel represented them as soccer, right? So you wear Nike, Adidas, Puma when you're playing and you're in a game and in practice. But then when you want to go play a pickup, Kai represented you. And so I learned a ton about manufacturing, inventory. I can kind of maybe digress and say I 
create a ton of problems. <laughs> and, uh, and we fell on our face several times as a startup, um, but it was a great learning experience. And so my path went on to sports and all kinds of different things that led me to Fiddle, um, where we are now helping brands, companies, manufacturers, suppliers uh, dial in their inventory management, their products, so that they can uh, scale and grow where we made several mistakes, you know, overseas, several mistakes, um, not keeping really good track, run out of product, back ordered, um, ordered poor product, you know, wasted money. Um, and so our software is there for, you know, products, uh, companies. And, and I guess I have about 14 years of experience in working with all kinds of different um, brands and learning about kind of the supply chain. Okay. No, that, and I think that's helpful. And I'm going to make, I'm going to force you to go back in your journey just a little bit because uh, we talked, or we talked a little bit. So, I mean, you went to BYU, did the, or played soccer, business competition. And then I think you said you went to Georgetown for a little while before coming back to Utah yeah. and getting into the startup. So what, or what kind of, you know, so you, you won the business competition, but then you took off to Georgetown. So how is that kind of the in, intermediate step? Yeah. Or how did that go? Yeah, so... So soccer, I was a soccer diehard. I, you know, I was with uh, Kai for two years. A um, couple of the other guys were going to drop out of school. I decided that I, need, I had a year left, so I went back and finished BYU. Um, and then kind of went on a different uh, path and down the sports channel. Worked for Real Salt Lake in Utah. Um, worked for a sports agency. Um, and that took me to Georgetown to kind of – get my master's in sports management mm -hmm. and then i uh, started came back here worked for the state soccer association and, and events um and then started my own sports management group so all right starting a business is never that easy so i'm not gonna let you get away with it just saying hey i just started to start so you're doing all of that but what what was the point that you're saying okay because you know you, you're doing some other companies you, you know you just list them off but when was the point you're saying, okay, we're going to jump into a startup life or we're going to get that going? Was it kind of a side hustle that evolved into what was now what's today? Or was it, hey, we're, we're tired of what the other products out there, there isn't anything that we think does the job we need. And so we're just going to jump in and sell our house and put it or mortgage our house <laughs> and put it all in. How did that transition go? Because it's never that easy of just one day I start, or decided to do a startup and go from there. So how did you make sure. that transition? Sure. So obviously I got the startup bug in 2006 when we won the business plan competition, working with my friends and my you know soccer buddies um, and always knew I wanted to own my own company. Right. And so I had a master's in, in sports, um, really, you know, I knew the youth space. And then after kind of working for a state association for a couple of years, just uh, started a little side hustle, like you said. Right. And um, and got a partner that uh, we started training kids on the side. We opened up our own facility to bring in kids and, and thought that, you know, um, where I'm from, I'm from Dallas and Texas, sports or religion. Right in Utah, it's like religion, then family, then work, <laughs> then sports. That's right? true. Yeah. Um, and, and so I really wanted to give back and teach kids um, to take them to the next level of sports. Right. And so we opened our own facility. Um, within a couple months, I realized that that's what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, and and during this path, it was I was it was a company that I I ran for about five years. Um, had 
couple of different partners, my brother being one for a little bit, um, and, and kind of just got a bit burnt out of dealing with youth sports and parents and um, had three facilities at one point, mm. was running leagues, was doing training, was doing camps, was, you know, had really good contracts, uh, met some great people, um, but just got worn out a bit of, mm. you know, during the day, I, I would do a lot of the business. And at night, I'd actually go and train and um, had a family and kids of my own. And it just wasn't really sustainable. Sorry, um, train, you say uh, you, at night you would trade like trade like stocks train, or trade? Train, train like, like oh, train youth train. athletes. Sorry, I, you know? I, some reason I heard train. I'm like, oh, that's a, even a different story. So, all right, so you wouldn't trade. Yeah. So. Yeah, so and during this time like we had created products right like mm -hmm. and so um i always had that little you know because i left kaya and i left this i always like gravitated to product companies to having your own physical product that you created that you designed um and and then started sharing an office when i was running my own company with my now current partner um, and he had his own supplement line. He had his own products and was selling and doing really well um, because he was a programmer mm -hmm. and he actually ranked all the sites, built really cool web websites to bring people to. Um, and then he got approached by a manufacturer mm -hmm. that was like, Hey, the software in this industry is really hard to use. It's really old school. Um, and he kept coming over to me and be like, Hey, look, there's an opportunity here. Like there is an opportunity, the software and the space and manufacturing and inventory is old and outdated and server-based. Um, and so we went to some trade shows, mm. started visiting, started looking into it. And, and again, that little bug of like, oh, products, you know, I, I kind of gravitate to it and, um, and, you know, and helping other entrepreneurs like nail their process was pretty exciting. So after I think six months of him kind of like, look, I've built a big chunk of this for this other company already. They've paid me to build it. I own the IP. Come be my partner. You know, come be like the guy that runs the business and I'll keep programming, keep building. So he, so the origination almost of the idea. So who was the one that, so he came up with the idea and then he's saying, Hey, I'm already getting paid for this. Why don't we now build a, build our own business around it and, you know, do something with it. And so then he kind of bugged you to the or enough to the point they're saying, fine, I'll at least take a look at it. It sounds like it took you a little while to, to finally decide to dive in and, and decide to go full bore. So what was kind of the, the tipping point? Was it just kind of an aggregation and finally put enough pressure onto you? You said yes. Or was there kind of a tipping point to, okay, after I've done enough research, I'm convinced kind of thing. What was the decision? That, how did you make that decision? <laughs> yeah, I don't think there was like one huge point. Um, my brother was my partner in my sports management group mm. and he kind of didn't want to grow it anymore. He wanted to focus on his following, stay in Utah County. And he's also the BYU men's soccer coach. And, and so when I was kind of like, Oh, we're not going to keep growing. Then maybe I can look at selling pieces of my software or sorry, mm. pieces of my business. Mm. And that's what I did. So I've sold off pieces of my business and just, kept learning more about the software space, learning about like where we can position ourselves as a company um, and had a, you know, we already had one good client that was growing like crazy that was using the software. Mm. Um, and and that's, that to me was like validation that there is a need here 
we just have to go out and see who all needs this. Um, okay. And so, you know, after a couple of different things fell into place, I pulled the trigger and then over probably like I was full time with fiddle, but over, you know, I think the first year I still was running a couple things on the side for soccer and sports management. Um, and it looked like I'm, I had one last thing left this, the beginning of the spring and now I'm completely out of sports and hundred percent into fiddle and the software. So what was the motivation of kind of keeping the side hustles? Was it, Hey, I'm not fully convinced this is going to work. And so I'm going to kind of phase it in or phase it out or make sure that there's something here before I abandon my income or, you know, or what was, or was it just, you know, I had other obligations I wanted to finish up because that's where a lot of times you kind of get to, right? Most of, sometimes you'll, you'll have people that will jump all in and just go, Hey, that's a great sure. idea. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go do this full time. Right. A lot of times you're saying, Hey, I, I, I don't, I want to make sure I can take care of my wife and my kids and keep right. food on the table, pay the mortgage. And I don't know if a startup's going to work. So it was, which kind of, you know, was it more of keeping the side hustles or, you know, the additional obligation or making the, you know, having source of income or kind of what made that transition? Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I think you nailed it, right? Like I have three kids, a wife, a mortgage, you know, um, and I had a lot of good things in place in that business that, so it ran, a lot of it ran itself. Mm. And so, um, and my, my biggest passion is soccer, right? I've played my whole life. Um, I have a master's in sports management. So a piece of me was like, oh, I don't want to let it go, right? You know, mm. um, and so there was the whole idea of, you know, covering, covering my expenses, living off of it until Fiddle was able to generate more money and we were able to take a salary. We raised a little family and friends round, right? Um, and and grew it a little bit, right? You know, yeah. um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, I'll say personally, I actually don't believe in the jump 100% in. Mm -hmm. I, I like, a lot of people say, look, you can't focus on multiple things. You should never have a plan B. I don't believe in that. Mm. I think you should have several channels and I think you can have a side hustle, a passion project, and still crush it on a company, right? Like a lot of great people, great businesses, they might have like a passion project that's like all service-based and like giving back to community. Does that mean that they're not focusing on their business? No, right? Like, and so if your side hustle is just something you're passionate about and you want to keep doing, I don't see any issue with that. No, I, I agree. And I think it was um, uh, Jack Dorsey. I'm not going to get into Twitter because that's... Yeah, don't get into that right now. <laughs> but, you know, he had he had almost his two businesses, right? He has Twitter and he also has Square. And right. I think they're co-located or located right kind of almost or side to side. So he kind of kept two different projects going. And I think is a good example of someone that's been very successful. Love him, hate him. And I'm not jumping into the news at all. But I think that that's an example of someone that, you know, they've, they've kept different side hustles, keep things going and decided, you know, making it work. So I, I tend to agree. And I think that there's, you know, there's a practical nature, you know, you always hear and if I were to watch Shark Tank, they would always tell, you, you know, hey, you need to jump all in, you need to be all in. Yeah. And yet, in a practical nature, saying, hey, I also have responsibilities. And while it'd be great if I was single and I had unlimited funds, or I didn't have to worry about life and reality, in reality, you know, you have to, you want to be able to make sure that, you know, you can keep things, the lights on, keep things going and meet obligations. Yeah, for while sure. While still doing your passion. So, no, I, and, I agree. And startups and businesses are like, don't work the way 
I don't know, we think they do, right? Like the way the stories are out there, oh man, he came up with the idea, six months later, he raised $10 million, you know, six months later, now he's a multi-billionaire. No way, like, I mean, Qualtrics is a great story, right? Like he hmm. built and built and built year after year to, and then after 17 years, was a, a <laughs> amazing, successful, like company, right? Um, yeah. But it's well, happen it's, it's usually it happen the, overnight. You know, Overnight success, 10 years in the making, right? So it yeah. always, you always get to see the, hey, we're a huge success and it went great, but it was really that 10 years in the making that really made the difference for the company that you know, usually you don't get to hear the backstory yeah. and you don't get to hear the ups and downs. So with that, I'm going to then ask you, so you finally decided to make the jump. You went all in. You decided that, hey, I'm winding things down. I'm going to, I'm going to be all in with the fiddle and whatnot. How has it gone? Or is it all just been straight up and no problems and no issues? Or how's the journey been since you've jumped all in? Whew, uh, it's, it's, it's been a whirlwind, um, to be honest with you, right? Ups and downs. COVID-19, you know, was, was a bit crazy um, for us. Still is, you know, kind of we're trying to figure it out. Um, and, and to be honest with you, when I first joined, we were a manufacturing software. Like we were going after contract manufacturers in the food and beverage space, right? Which is like a six, none, six to nine to 12 month sales cycle, mm. right? But we were positioning ourselves as a month to month SaaS solution, very affordable, right? Mm. So if, a, if a, a manufacturer like spun up a warehouse and was, was living in spreadsheets, then they could use us and automate their process. Mm. But really soon we, we learned that there was just so many touch points and the money didn't make sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like if we're just charging five hundred thousand bucks a month and no huge onboarding fee, then a, a year of sales cycle just doesn't add up, right? And so we learned that after the first six months, that look, we we've, we've talked to a couple brands that manufacture their own products. They have the same issues that these contract manufacturers have, mm. so we could go after them. And so now. Like, you know, we have 120 users and I would say half and half are manufacturers and the other half of their are brands that, that do some of their production, right? Um, and so it's been like this, right? And it's like me and a bunch of programmers, right? So uh, sure. we've kind of had some sales guys in like and some marketing guys in um, and then we were ready to raise, ready to raise a seed round, right? Like we had proved some traction. We had some MRR. Uh, you know, we, we, we nailed like our positioning and messaging, um, and then COVID hit, we had pitched like, I think 45 investors hmm. and we had three or four or five. I don't know exactly that we're, we're kind of getting to where we're going to try to create term sheets and talk to them. And just, everybody's like, look, we got to see what happens. We got to take care of our portfolio companies and we got to see how this plays out. So contact us in three to six months. Right. And, and we'll see where we're at. Um, actually, I have a call with an investor out of Atlanta right after this. Right. That Fingers crossed. Guy. I know. Right. <laughs> so. Um, it's it's no. been it's been it's been up and down. Right. And, and I think that's the life of a startup. That's the life of, of trying to find like found your like start your own company. Mm -hmm. Right. Like um, there's, it's it's competitive. The software space is super competitive no matter where you're going, right? Yeah. And, and if you're not in Silicon Valley and you don't have all the logos and the connections, it's even a bit tougher. So with that, so 
kind of ups and downs, you know, all in, making it work, making some pivots between re- or restaurant industry to where you're at now. Where do you think the next six months or a year puts you? Yeah, um, well, we're pretty optimistic. You know, uh, January and February are our best months of Fiddle's, you know, existence. And then March hit. Um, and we took a, a little hit and then April crushed us, right? Like we had a couple companies close their doors, unfortunately, mm-hmm. right? Because um, they were non-essential. They foreload all their employees and then they realized they couldn't recover. And it, it's, a, it's, it's sad, right? Like, I mean, it, I don't think we felt the economic impact of this. Um, but to be honest with you, June will probably be our biggest month ever. Like May's been okay, mm-hmm. um, but we have, tons of people in our pipeline we have several con you know sales contracts out um and what we're seeing though is you know people late have gotten laid off companies have downsized they can't afford the expensive erp or inventory management uh, renewals they're not going to go through these big you know long onboarding because they don't know what what's going to happen over the next couple months so fiddle is a great solution, right? No contracts, small yeah. onboarding fee, month to month. Um, and so we're kind of getting in the door and finding a lot of success. Well, that's exciting. So it sounds like yeah. the, the next uh, six months to a year, you're, you're hopeful and optimistic and things are looking up. And while everything is uh, never for certain and you have the ups and downs and pivots and whatnot, that uh, sounds like gaining traction, which is awesome. So Yeah, cool. and so we, you know, our goal is just to, to kind of, make enough MRR to cover our, our nut and and try to get to the end of the year and then kind of go back and see if we want to raise uh, a bigger round so mm. and and so with that and, and I always have my two questions but I'll ask one more so you know you always get the conundrum and I don't know conundrum but the cash 22 is what you know do we self-fund do we make or make it ourselves do we go get a bigger round do we have someone invest but then if you invest you have to give up equity sometimes that's absolutely the right decision because you'll never make it if you don't have the money or you don't have the investment and other times you go look back and wish oh i wish i'd get more of the equity or i haven't given up so how do you decide what is the how do you decide whether or not to do another round or when that or what or how do you go through that the thought process yeah so my partner and i have both owned businesses previously We've mm-hmm. bootstrapped or, or taken loans out, you know, refinanced, refinanced my, my house, you know, like we've done things to make it work. Um, my, our, our belief is that you funding, the purpose of funding is to pour gas on the fire, right? Mm-hmm. If you have nailed your process, you, you have a good demographic you're going after, you can get in front of people, you can close deals. And it's just a matter of like, I need more money to do more marketing, to hire sales and go and mm. increase that speed. Then that's, that's like why we were raising, right? Like we think that we are in a great spot and we want to hire a sale, a bigger sales team and put tons of money behind marketing and go. Um, but you know, with COVID hitting and slowing things down and then we're going to, we're going to kind of try to nail and get to the next level on our own. Right. And if we can get on to that next level on our own, increase the MRR, hire some people on our own, and then we nail it, the process again in kind of a new environment, right, mm. with, with the way the world's working and the, the way people are, are looking at things, then we would maybe raise um, a round A, just skip seed, you know, go round A and raise a bit more. Mm. Um, 
you know, and we'll see, you know, because I think partnerships and being on marketplaces and connecting to Shopify, QuickBooks, ShipStation, and um, nailing that like tech stack is going to be like key for, for our company. All right. No, makes sense. Okay. Well, we were reaching towards the end of the podcast and I always have plenty more things I want to talk about, but I try yeah. to keep it to a reasonable amount of time so everybody can uh, maintain attention and focus. So uh, sure, with sure. that... <laughs> Um, I always have the two questions I ask at the end of the podcast. I'll ask you now. So the one question is, is um, what was the worst business decision you ever made? Not in this, uh, like in any business? Any, any business, just worst business decision. Uh, um, I, <laughs> at a company, I'm not going to say what company, I uh, called out the uh, CEO and president of the company. Um yeah and through email and included the VP of operations and VP of sales. Um, and that still haunts me today. Hmm. Um, I was a sales guy and it was a poor, young, stupid decision. Um, and I didn't think through it before sending the email. And so I lost a ton of money actually because hmm. of that email. And so yeah, my advice is, you know, if you feel heated or, or upset about something, sleep on it. I think that's great. And I usually, I, I most of the time usually take my advice. There's always a one area, you know, the exception of the rule. But I think that's a good thing. Usually if there's a, some, even if I, no matter how torqued off I am or how angry I am or how upset I am or frustrated or whatever the case may be, I usually figure if you give it a day, you're a lot yeah. longer. And if you're still in that way, then you're probably, you know, it's a, better better place to be or at least you're in the same spot and you're saying okay it was yeah. worthwhile to you you yeah. have a reason but a lot of times if you sit sleep on overnight you do it at least with a better you let your you know you you think about it through and you act you approach it better so i you know, exactly yeah okay so now i hit the second question which is you know if um if somebody was just getting into startups or small businesses or they wanted to get into it what would be the number one piece of advice you'd give them channel of distribution do you have a competitive advantage to a channel of distribution for a product company or a software or a service? Mm. Right. Um, what people don't, I think what people don't realize is like you could create an amazing product an amazing software, mm. but if you can't get it out to the masses and sell it, then you kind of like that product could just fizzle out and never, people may never know about it. So, so if you're going to go into business, try to find a competitive advantage to a channel of distribution. So, and if I were to restate that, almost know, know, where, know where you're going to sell it before, you know, where you're going to sell it or where that channel is before you actually create the product. Because otherwise, again, almost your point, you make, you can make a great product and if you don't know where to sell it or where, where it's going, then it doesn't do you any good and nobody is ever going to buy it. Yeah, and in our case, right, we work with tons of brands, right? You can spin up a Shopify and make it look beautiful, artistic, graphics, everything. But then what? Right? Right? Yeah. Like then you just buy Facebook ads, right? That's what I always see online. All you do oh, is man. make a Shopify and Facebook ads and your life is set. Not quite that oh, way. So. <laughs> cool. Well, um, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to connect up, use your product and best, uh, just uh, reach out or any make any connections, what's the best way to connect up with you? Yeah, just email me at Morgan at fiddle.io and would be happy to chat and you know that's probably the best way or linkedin morgan gillum on linkedin all right well great well certainly if uh, people are interested and want to reach out i'll certainly direct them your way and uh, 
the meantime, we hope you uh, have a good uh, rest of your uh, future part of your journey also goes as well as the past one has. Hey, for those of you that are looking to uh, come on the podcast, we'd love to have you as a guest. If you'd like to apply, you can just go to inventivejourney.com and uh, apply to be on the show. And for those of you that are looking to uh, need help with uh, patents or trademarks, we're always here for startups and small businesses. So you can reach out at uh, milleripl.com uh, and uh, look up Miller IP Law, and we're here to help. Thank you again for coming on the podcast, Morgan. Yeah. It's been a fun time to hear your journey and all the things that you've learned and uh, been through. And <laughs> Wish your your next uh, your continued journey uh, success. Thank you. Yeah, it's okay, been great. Have a good one. Take care.